This talk was given by Patrick Yunin Kelly at the Zen Center of New York City. Yunin is a senior lay student in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you'd like to make a donation or find out more about the temple's retreats and residency programs, visit our website at zmm.org slash zcnyc. Thanks for listening. So, good morning. So this is from the Heart Sutra. The noble Avalokitesvara Bodhisattva, while coursing deeply in the Prajnaparamita, looked upon the five skandhas and, seeing they were empty of self-existence, healed the suffering of all beings. Here, Shariputra, form is no other than emptiness, emptiness no other than form. Form is exactly emptiness, emptiness exactly form. The same is true of feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness. Here, Shariputra, all phenomena bear the mark of emptiness. They neither arise nor cease, are neither defiled nor pure, neither increase nor decrease. Therefore, Shariputra, the five skandhas of form, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness are empty of self-existence. The six sense faculties of eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, and mind are empty of self-existence. The six sense objects of color, sound, smell, taste, texture, and thought are empty of self-existence. The six sense consciousnesses, from visual consciousness on through to conceptual consciousness, are empty of self-existence. The twelve links of dependent origination and extinction, from ignorance on through to old age and death, are empty of self-existence. The noble truths of suffering, craving, cessation, and the path are empty of self-existence. Insight and attainment are empty of self-existence. Therefore, Shariputra, being free from all attainment, bodhisattvas take refuge in the practice realization of prajnaparamita and liberate all beings. So good morning again and welcome um, to Fire Lotus Temple here on the uh, ancestral land of the Lenape people. My name is Yunan. Uh, I use he and him pronouns. And I'm, I'm a senior lay student here, as I think Tempo said. And so, I, you know, I've been, I, I wanted to, to offer you a little bit about, I've been looking closely at the Heart Sutra over the last few weeks, I guess, months. <laughs> and I wanted to share with you a little bit of my experience of it. Mm. I hope that, that something, uh, I'll be able to offer something that's, that's helpful to you. So the Heart Sutra, we chanted it this morning. Let me start by just giving you a little bit of background on it. Um, it's, it belongs to a, a collection of texts known as the Prajnaparamita literature. So Prajna is intuitive wisdom, and uh, it, it's actually, it comes from, it's a Sanskrit word, but it's actually, it's a cognate to the Greek word prognosis, or the English word foreknowledge. If you get into etymology, you can see that they're actually the same word. But it, it means, as I said, intuitive, direct knowledge, that which comes before knowledge. And paramita uh, comes from 
uh, uh, word, the param, the word for beyond, and then ita is the past participle of to go. So it means that which has gone beyond, or it's actually feminine, so it means she who has gone beyond. And so it's, Prajnaparamita is sometimes translated as uh, the intuitive innate wisdom of the other shore, or uh, the wisdom of she who has gone beyond, uh, or perfection of wisdom. Uh, and, and in fact, Prajnaparamita is sometimes personified as a wisdom goddess, uh, the mother of all Buddhas. So these, these Prajnaparamita texts are, are a presentation of the, the teachings of Prajna, a direct insight into emptiness. And traditionally, they're said to have been one story, is that they were, uh, they were disseminated by Nagarjuna, who was a, a South Asian monk, a scholar, a meditation master, who lived in the second or third century. And it's said that he, he was the, the, uh, the abbot of Nalanda University. And whenever he would give a lecture, he would notice that there were two young men in the back. And whenever they were present, the whole pavilion would fill with the fragrance of sandalwood. So afterwards, once he questioned them, you know, what's up with that? Uh, and they said, well, actually, we're not human beings at all. We're nagas, uh, water serpents or water dragons. And... Uh, so why don't you come spend some time with us in our Naga kingdom beneath the ocean? So he said, okay, sounds nice. Um, so he went there and was greeted by the Naga king, who told him that the Buddha taught the Shakyamuni Buddha taught the Prajnaparamita on Vulture Peak in his lifetime, but that human beings were not ready for it at that point. So the teachings were given to the Nagas for safekeeping. And then they, they gave them to Nagarjuna, who brought them back when he returned to the human world and shared them. So the, the scholarly view is that, that these developed in the centuries before and after the Common Era. There was probably one original text, which was the, uh, the um, it's called the, the Prajnaparamita in 8,000 Lines, the uh, Ashta Sahasrika Prajnaparamita. Um, and then over a number of centuries, this or text was expanded and contracted into various versions. So you get the, the Prajnaparamita in 18,000 lines, one version in 25,000 lines, one in 100,000 lines. And then the other reaction, you get one in 2,500 lines, one in 300 lines, which is also known as the Diamond Sutra, um, one in 50 lines, the Prajnaparamita one line is that, that mantra, gate gate paragate prasangate bodhisvaha. There's even a Prajnaparamita in one letter, which is the letter, the Sanskrit letter for A. Um, and I was, I was looking at this, apparently the, um, the letter A, the Sanskrit letter A, is used in some traditions of esoteric Buddhism, like Japanese Shingon, as a meditation uh, tool, object. You know, A in Sanskrit, the A prefix, means something like um, denying. It's the same as in, if you know, like Greek words, like atheistic means not theistic, denying God. Apathetic means not feeling pathos or feeling. Um, anarchy is without a ruler. So the A in Sanskrit is the same. So an example is um, um, vidya is the Sanskrit word for 
knowledge and avidya is ignorance. And curiously, this ah in Sanskrit is translated into Chinese as uh, wu or uh, mu in Japanese. It's the, it's the same character as, as the, the well-known koan, Joshu's mu. Um, so in Sanskrit, they meditate on it in Shingon as ah or ajikon. And uh, we use it as mu in the koan. And it's, it's by far the most, mu is the most uh, frequent character in the Heart Sutra, actually. All that no eye, no ear, no nose, it's all mu, 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 mu. And so the, the Heart Sutra is a sort of distillation of the, uh, the Prajnaparamita. Uh, you know, maybe the, 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 the text in one character is, is maybe a little bit short for some practical purposes. It's not too short, not too long, the Heart Sutra. is just right, I think. The, uh, the, the title, um, generally the title in Sanskrit is uh, Prajnaparamita Urdaya. Urdaya is actually, it's H-R-D. It's the same as the English heart. It's the same word. Sometimes it's called the Bhagavati Prajnaparamita Urdaya, which is the Holy Mother of all, but as heart of the perfection of wisdom. Uh, the, the Chinese title is, um, well, Borebo Luo Mi Duo, forgive my pronunciation, Xinjing. Uh, Xinjing is, um, is Heart Sutra, literally. And in Japanese, it's Hanya Haramita Shingyo. So there, there's two versions of the Heart Sutra. There's a, a short version which is the one that we use. It's predominant in East Asia, China, Japan, Korea, Vietnam. And there's also a long version, uh, which is more common in uh, um, Tibet, Nepal, Mongolia. (coughs) The long version is the same as the short version, but it adds a prologue and an epilogue to, to give it the form of a proper sutra, which means it starts, thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling at, and, and it goes on. And then at the end, and all were greatly pleased with what the Buddha said. And so this is, this is, the, this is just the form uh, of a sutra. The earliest uh, version that we have is, is Chinese, actually. Um, although many people think that it was probably originally in Sanskrit, there's no... The earliest version is Chinese. And I, I won't get into this, but some people actually, some scholars believe it, it was actually originally a Chinese text rather than Sanskrit. And then other people disagree and so on and so forth. But uh, the, the first version that we have is associated with a, a Chinese monk named uh, Xuanzang, who uh, lived in the 7th century. And he said that, that he received the Heart Sutra from a young, as a, as a young novice from a sick beggar that he met in uh, Chengdu. Uh, the capital of Sichuan. And Xuanzang, it said, had, he, 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 his writings uh, survive, actually. He wrote that he had many doubts about the uh, authenticity of the teachings that were available in China at that time. So he decided to seek the, the teachings in the original homeland of the Buddha in India. So he set out from the, the, the capital, the Chinese capital of Chang'an, along the Silk Road, and he traveled uh, along the Gobi Desert, the Takamakan Desert, over the Hindu Kush, 
uh, through Afghanistan and Pakistan down into India. And he said that along the way, constantly, he was chanting the Heart Sutra to ward off uh, demons and bandits. You know, I, I find that it's really interesting. It, it's um, the Heart Sutra. On the, on the one hand, it, it can it functions as a very uh, sophisticated philosophical treatise on the nature of mind. At the same time, it's it's used wherever it's common in, in Buddhist cultures as a uh, as a magical spell or a, a talisman uh, to ward off uh, misfortune. You know, it's it's like it's got something for everyone, um, from you know central uh, simple country people or, or the village shaman, uh, the travelers, uh, scholars, uh, clerical elite, emperors, empresses. It offers something for everyone. You know, it's like in the in the Lotus Sutra, it said that that Avalokitesvara who is speaking in the Heart Sutra, is the Bodhisattva of compassion. It said that Avalokitesvara appears in whatever form is needed for a person to be liberated. So if a person needs an ordained priest to be liberated, she appears as an ordained priest. If a person needs a young girl to be liberated, she appears as a young girl. If a person needs a dragon to be liberated, she appears as a dragon. So, the noble Avokitasvara, while coursing in the profound Prajnaparamita, looked upon the five skandhas and, seeing they were empty of self-existence, healed the suffering of all beings. So the, the five skandhas, it's um, sometimes translated as the five aggregates or the five heaps. You know, usually we consider it self-evident, the self is self-existent. You know, our, our, our language, our culture, uh, even our physical reflexes seem to confirm this, this sense that we have that I am real, you know. But the teachings tell us that if we look very carefully and very closely, as in Zazen, we, we see that the self is actually a compound entity, this sense of unitary self-existence is a fiction. And that the, the traditional way of, of, one traditional way of explaining that is that it's composed of these five aggregates. And they are the, the words that are chanted in the sutra. So the first skanda is form, or you could say matter, just physical substance. And then is feeling or sensation, which is, it's this very deep, a primordial sense of I like it, I don't like it, or I'm neutral. One of those three. <laughs> uh, next is perception, uh, which is where it's, whatever it is that's being perceived is sort of starting to become a mental construct. The fourth skanda is mental formations, which are, these are sort of like that, these are karmically uh, uh, conditioned templates that, that condition how we see existence anything that we perceive. And then finally, consciousness. So, in, in his commentary on the, the Heart Sutra, Thich Nhat Hanh says, he, he uses the word, he uses the translation of, of streams, which is a, a nice way of putting it. 
He says, these five elements flow like a river in every one of us. In fact, these are really five rivers flowing together in us. The river of form, which means our body. The river of feelings. The river of perceptions. The river of mental formations and the river of consciousness. They are always flowing in us. Dogen says, wherever the Buddhas and ancestors are, water is always there. Wherever water is, there the Buddhas and ancestors always appear. Therefore, the Buddhas and ancestors have always taken up water as their own body and mind, their own thinking. The sutra continues here. Shariputra, form is no other than emptiness. Emptiness, no other than form. Form is exactly emptiness. Emptiness, exactly form. The same is true of feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness. I remember the first time I, I heard this, form is emptiness, emptiness is form. It was when I was practicing at the, the San Francisco Zen Center, chanting it after uh, Zazen. And it really startled me. Form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. It was, I remember it was thrilling, but also a little bit scary. I didn't understand it, but I, I felt it. It was like a sort of jolt. Form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. In, in their translation, uh, Kaz Tanahashi and Joan Halifax used the word boundlessness instead of emptiness. Um, you know, which is nice that the, the Chinese word for, for emptiness is kong, which also means sky, our the vast sky. So it's the boundless sky. Form is the boundlessness, the boundless sky. The boundless sky is form. Form is vastness, vastness is form. So we say emptiness, but we could also say fullness. A traditional uh, analogy for form is emptiness. It said that um, it's like the wave in the water. Uh, the wave is the form that the water takes. Wave is water. Water is wave. In his comment on this, uh, Hakuan says this passage. He says, "A nice hot kettle of stew." She ruins it by dropping a couple of rat turds in pushing aside waves to look for water when the waves are water. So the sutra then continues to go through this list and of um, eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, color, sound, smell, taste, touch, phenomena, and say that all of them are without self-existence. And so these are the background for this is, is this this extensive list. It's it's basically the, the Abhidharma, which is one of the three divisions of the of the Tripitaka, the, the collection of Buddhist sutras of teachings. The sutras, the Vinaya, which is the moral and ethical teachings, and the uh, the Abhidharma, which means the higher doctrine or the higher teachings. And uh, I won't get too much into the Abhidharma, but it was a, it's, a, it's a system of classifying all of um, conscious experience into these entities or, or dharmas, which is it's almost like a, um, a periodic table of the elements, but for conscious experience. It's a sort of periodic table of consciousness. 
And so this was part of a process of systemizing the teachings in the, the centuries after the Buddha died. And the, the Abhidharmas, they all, everyone agreed. So the point of the skandhas is that the self is not unified or fundamentally there. But um, the Abhidharmas tended to think that these dharmas, so for example, are the skandhas are some of the dharmas, um, but then there's you know, the sense objects, the mind, there's 46 mental factors, there is empty space and two types of nirvana. It, it's, it's very sort of um, organized. <laughs> um, but they, they considered these dharmas to have fundamental, uh, to be fundamentally real in some sense, meaning that they had self-nature, svabhaha, svabhava, uh, or, and that they had um, characteristic marks. Um, and these, so these, these, so for example, the characteristic marks, what we chanted this morning, fire is hot, wind moves, water is wet, earth hard. Those are the characteristic marks. But the Mahayana comes along and says that actually, no, the dharmas aren't fundamental either. The only thing is all of the dharmas, all dharmas are forms of emptiness. All dharmas bear the mark of shunyata, emptiness. And actually, even shunyata is not final because shunyata bears the mark of emptiness. Emptiness is empty of emptiness, of anything, which takes you back into the world of form. Form is emptiness, emptiness is form. And then it goes on to say that even the teachings of the Buddha, the 12 links of dependent origination and extinction, uh, the, noble, the four noble truths, suffering, craving, cessation in the path, these too are empty of self-existence. But it's important to note, this is not nihilism. Again, it's not saying that nothing exists, just that things don't have self-existence. Things don't exist independently. There's a story of uh, Dongshan, who is the the founder of the the, uh, Soto school. We chanted his name this morning, too. When he was a boy, uh, he was chanting the Heart Sutra with his teacher, his tutor, and he came to the part that said, no eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. And then he reached up and said, but teacher, I have eyes, ears, nose, tongue. Why does the sutra say that I don't? It said that uh, the tutor was dumbfounded and said, uh, you should go study with a Zen teacher. <laughs> it's a good question. Do you have eyes, ears, nose, and the rest? If you do, then why does the sutra say that you don't? And if you don't, how can you hear what I'm saying to you? Thich Nhat Hanh tells a, a story about a, a monk who went to see, a novice monk who went to see a Zen teacher. And the teacher said, tell me about your understanding of the Heart Sutra. And the monk said, I've understood that the five skandhas are empty. There is no eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, no form, sound, smell, taste, feeling, and the rest and so forth. The teacher said, do you believe what it says? The monk said, yes, I truly believe what it says. And the Zen teacher said, come here. He grabbed his nose and twisted it, and he cried out in pain, teacher, you're hurting me. And the teacher said, just now you said that the nose doesn't exist. But if the nose doesn't exist, then what's hurting? Dido had a, this reminded me of a story of, of, of Dido, who founded our order. He once was working with his teacher, Maizumi Roshi, and he said, 
I know, I imagine them working in an office or something, and he turned to Maizumi and said, I've settled the great matter of life and death. And Maizumi said, oh, okay. And he kept working. And then a little bit later, out of the blue, he jumped up and grabbed Dido by the throat and started choking him. And Dido realized, my God, he's serious. He's not going to stop choking me. So I punched him and got him off. And Maizumi rolled over and brushed himself off and said, settled the great matter of life and death, huh? In his commentary on the, on the Heart Sutra, Dogen, Dogen starts with the first line, except that he adds two characters. So he says, Avalokitesvara, doing deep prajna paramita, clearly saw with the whole body emptiness of all the five conditions. He adds those, these two characters, conscient, the whole body, with the whole body. Clearly saw emptiness of all the five conditions becomes clearly saw with the whole body emptiness of all the five conditions. Usually we say, I see colors, shapes, ears hear sounds, no smells, scents. Dogen says that Avalokitesvara sees the emptiness of the skandhas with the whole body and mind. Later he says, seeing forms with the whole body and mind. Hearing sounds with the whole body and mind, one understands them intimately. You could also say the whole body and mind is intimate with the whole body and mind. Mountains and rivers in the great earth are intimate with mountains and rivers in the great earth. What is the use of understanding? Or further, you could say understanding is intimate with understanding. Rat turds are intimate with rat turds. A sore nose is no other than mountains and rivers in the great earth. Mountains and rivers in the great earth are no other than a sore nose. In the sutra, I, I'm only going to talk about um, the, this first part of the sutra. I, I'm not sure I really understand the second part at all. <laughs> so, um, inside and attainment are empty of self-existence. Therefore, Shariputra. Being free from all attainment, bodhisattvas take refuge in the practice realization of prajnaparamita and liberate all beings. No attainment and nothing to attain. In our usual point of view, um, we think of it as we, we practice in order to gain insight or enlightenment. Dogen says, uh, but actually there's another way of seeing it. We practice because we are originally enlightened. I think Suzuki Roshi says, it is wisdom that is seeking wisdom. It's the same thing. It's not to say that we, you know, we do experience moments of insight along the way. And these can be very um, powerful. There was a, a student or someone reached out to, we have this sort of, email, uh, I don't know what you would call it. If you want advice from a senior student, write this thing and, and we'll get back to you. And so I, I got a question from someone who said, who had some powerful experience and thought perhaps it was enlightenment, but wanted to know. I wasn't really sure how to respond to this um, in a way that would be helpful. So I, I spoke with some of the teachers a bit um, but what I ended up saying was, I, you know, I don't know whether you are enlightened or not. You'd have to go in to see a teacher and formal interview, and they'd test you and 
you'll go from there. But I, ca- I can tell you that the important thing is just to keep practicing. And, you know, the instruction is the same. Whatever you encounter, whatever thought you encounter, whether it's a thought of, of profound delusion or thought of great enlightenment or, you know, a thought of, of, I don't know, the latest Justin Bieber song. The instruction is the same. See the thought, let it go, and come back to your practice. See the thought, let it go, come back to your practice. See the thought, let it go, come back to your practice. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the Zen Center of New York City's programs, retreats and residency, please visit our website at zmm.org slash zcnyc.